Welcome to Fiscal One-on-One. This Iowa Legislative Services Agency audio program consists of interviews conducted by the Fiscal Services Division staff. Each brief conversational interview features an expert answering questions concerning a fiscal topic of interest within an Iowa State agency. On September 2, 2014, Deb Kozell, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Iowa Legislative Services Agency, interviewed Jean Eels, State Soil and Water Committee member, for an overview of the Resource Enhancement and Protection, or REAP, fund, and to gain a perspective from a REAP grant recipient. Jean is the owner of eResources Group, a consulting business that specializes in the areas of environment, education, evaluation, and energy. Gina is a member of the State Soil and Water Conservation Committee and has been a Soil and Water District Commissioner in Hamilton County since 1998. Hello, my name is Deb Kozell and I work for the Legislative Services Agency or the LSA. Today I'm talking to Jean Eels about the Resource Enhancement and Protection Fund, also called REAP. For those of you that are unfamiliar with REAP, I'm going to provide a brief overview. The REAP Fund was established by the Iowa Legislature in 1989 and the fund receives an annual appropriation the varying amounts and the way the money is allocated is specified in the Code of Iowa. The distribution of the money is often referred to as the REAP formula and the distribution is as follows. There's an annual fixed appropriation of $350,000 for educational grants. 1% goes to the Department of Natural Resources or the DNR for administration of the program. 28% goes to the DNR for the open spaces account for the purchase of land. 20% is allocated to all the county conservation boards. 20% goes to the Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship for soil and water conservation projects. 15% goes for city park projects. 9% goes to the DNR for land management and maintenance. 5% goes to the Department of Cultural Affairs for the Historical Resource Development Program and 3% goes to the Department of Transportation for Roadside Vegetation Programs. Jean has been very active with REAP in several ways. She has participated on the scoring committee for the Conservation Education Grants Program. She has also been a recipient of a grant from the Department of Cultural Affairs and is a District and Soil Water Commissioner and participates in the projects that receive REAP funding from the Soil and Water Conservation Allocation. Hi, Jean. Thanks again for helping me today. Let's talk about the educational grant progress. Can you provide a description of how the REAP educational grant program works and what they're used for? Yeah, the REAP Conservation Education Program, I served on the board for a number of years, and this is really vital money that goes to smaller projects that would not otherwise get off the ground. And over the years, we've funded a lot of very innovative projects where groups work together to accomplish things that they might not otherwise have gotten to do. For example, in the early years it was really important to have teacher workshops and so there were groups that banded together to hold workshops for teachers around the state that helped them learn about natural resource issues, learn how to teach about the natural resource issues and teach about natural resources and how things work together and so that was one of the early years. Then we did some curriculum development where we developed activities for how to teach kids about garbage and solid waste issues and there was a curriculum for more on wildlife that was developed and so some of that has been the background. 
of late, because the dollars don't go as far as they used to on projects, we're, I should say we like I'm really on the board, but I'm not on the board anymore, but the funding goes to a variety of a fewer, fewer larger projects. And there doesn't mean that they're necessarily bigger than what we did before, but they are things like Women, Food, and Agriculture Network got a grant to develop outreach to women farmland owners, and they developed publications to go along with the curriculum and did a couple of different projects there. And so it also funds scholarships for people to go to conferences and learn more about natural resources and Will so that be available to anybody or yeah, just the school kids? Yeah, or? No, it's it's available to anybody. So, for example, to be able to go to a conference, they might be interested in an audience that is underserved or an audience that might not have ever thought about going, but if they have a scholarship to that conference, okay. then they're going to have a chance to go. So I know that that's another expression of the REAP program now. So they've had different folks that have gotten funding in the years, over the years. I'm aware of the soil and water conservation related topics as much as any, but it's gone to a nice variety of people and it's been good work. Can you provide some information on the the evaluation process of awarding an educational grant oh, since you've been on the scoring committee? Yes, since I've been on the scoring committee, this is a grueling thing. I think about all the hours that I poured over these grants, and people just do that. If you're on the scoring committee, you pour a lot of time into being as thoughtful as you can over an idea to see whether it's going to go or not. So the REAP board has a very, I think probably the most transparent process on scoring that of any grant board that I've ever seen or been on. and so they make the scores available, they help people understand how the grants should go together, they've really worked hard on the grant form that gets filled out and they stick really close to that. So then you score according to various things, how well did they do explaining what their project is, do you feel like they've made a judicious use of the funds, have they gone and sought partners to help make the project as good as it can be. And looking over the budget is just one part of it, but if you're a seasoned veteran in the business, do you think this is going to fly? Do they have the right people together? Have they overlooked something? And the way the board works is they expect, if you've applied for a grant, they expect you to show up at the grant review and you hear the concerns, they ask questions, you don't give a presentation but you're there and if there are nuances that could be changed to make it a stronger project, they may ask if that's a possibility. And if you're there, then you can say, yeah, we could do that or oh, no, we really couldn't because we tried such and such. So it's a very open process and also they work really hard to make each project as strong a project as it possibly can be. And I think we've benefited in Iowa as a result of that kind of review process, we have high quality projects that are proposed and makes it harder when you're on the scoring side. So because there are a lot of applications? Yeah, there are always a lot of applications. Like hundreds or? Well, I would say probably each time they read anywhere from 25 to 30. That's and that's a lot. That's and that's a they're a lot of times only able to give away maybe five or six. But they read and score. And then if you didn't get a grant this time, that board will sit there and go through every grant that wasn't discussed, if you're still there and yeah. hung in there, 
and they'll tell you what problems they had with the grant. This isn't going to fly. We don't think you've got the right people together. You didn't write this clearly. We didn't understand. Now that you've talked to us, we understand better, but it's too late. So if you're going to submit it again, be a lot more clear here, or we think that's just ridiculously expensive, sharpen your pencil again. So they work really, really hard at that whole process, and they do that twice a year. Can they reapply then if they don't make the... People can reapply, and a lot of times we'll see them come back with a much stronger application and a stronger project. They get the right players together and they think through a process a little bit more thoroughly. And the people on the review board are very experienced and they're very sincere about wanting to have high quality projects. It's a really Goodness cool me. thing. And I say that not, I'm not on the board anymore. You know, I mean, it was, we worked hard at that while I was on there to make sure it was as open a process as possible. But now, They've continued that and just transformed it. It's an amazing process. I participate on a lot of grants and I've never seen any board do quite what they do well, with the results that they get. And I've reviewed grants regionally and nationally and I don't see that same kind of Do they have quality. a follow-up like after the program's over? Do they yes. submit a final report? Yep, there is a midterm report and a final report. Oh, and they have a person that checks with each project, make sure that they're on track, if they're in, running into problems. They have to take a right turn when they were pl thinking they were going to go straight, then they have somebody that oversees that. And boy, that's really a nice asset because if they run into problems with how they're evaluating their project, sometimes that's a hard thing, evaluating yeah. the project. They've got somebody there to help and that's part of the role I've filled with the group is to make myself as available as I can to support any evaluation, program evaluation that I can so that we learn how the projects are working and that we're, again, being not only judicious with the funds but also getting the results that we want. And that's it's cool stuff. You've also been a recipient of the Historical Resource Development Grant and that goes from the Department of Cultural Affairs. Can you describe the grant process and what you use your money for? That was uh, back in 2006 or seven. so I don't know if they've changed it since then, but I remember that I applied in uh, January or so, and it was a fairly simple process. I was glad I was able to fax it in back at that time, and the paperwork, I think, was pretty straightforward. They have an unusual twist in their way of providing technical support, which I was really happy to have. I had to figure out how to write that into the budget, but it worked out just fine. I tell you what, those people make that money go so far. Mm -hmm. I'm just amazed. They get such a small slice of the pie. What I got funding for was I collected oral histories from some women who by their own definition would just consider themselves ordinary farm women. Mm -hmm. Ordinary women who had been farm partners with their husbands at some level and would not have otherwise described themselves as extraordinary. A lot of times we'll capture oral histories of people that have been leaders and we lose the stories of common ordinary lives. So I collected 10 or 12 oral histories that are archived in the Iowa Women's Archives That's now great. so that those are there for perpetuity but then also that helped inform my research that I did so it, we got double the value out of oh, that one set of those and I know there's been a couple of other researchers that have accessed that oh, particular yeah. file to look for and listen to 
those stories. So that was a nice process. It was a small amount of funding, but it came at a really critical time for me in being able to capture those stories. And since then, I know uh, at least two of the women have already passed away. Oh, so and I was trying to capture as old a story as I could because I knew that would have elements of prior generations Absolutely. left residual in their stories. So the re historical stuff, oh my gosh, those people stretch that just unbelievably far. I know they've used it for museum work and things that just fall through the cracks otherwise. Sometimes smaller communities, they may have a really important collection of something, but they may not have anybody with the skills to archive it properly or identify it and label it and be able to keep the story that should go with that item to go with it. and. So they've done a number of those kind of projects where they could bring an expert in to help them with that or train the local people to do that and then they can do it from then on then forward. So the grant process, do you have to submit like paperwork or? I think I And do they have a committee like the educational? Their process was smaller. They had a review committee that was made up of folks that had a lot more technical expertise. Okay. So they had some people that served as volunteers on that as well. And I think all I had to do was a final report and then of course submit the products in the form that they needed to be for the archives. Iowa State University was my closest resource for the technical assistance and they were just fabulous for awesome. being generous with the help, being generous. They loaned me one of their recorders which was better than the recorder that I owned so that was nice and they gave me some good technical advice on that. Okay, you're also a State and Soil Water Commissioner so you've been very active in awarding uh, REAP money for soil and water conservation practices. Can you can give us some information on how that process works? Yeah, at the state level, probably I can speak best to being also a locally elected soil and water conservation district commissioner. So I'll build this That's from right. the back up. So, yeah, so I do both. You're on the committee and yep. the commissioner. Yep. That's right. And as a local commissioner, I know that at least one way that the REAP funds allow us to do things that there is no other program for. And an example of that, it's not probably the strongest example, but for example, if somebody has a place out in the country where they live and they've got livestock or they've got a bigger farming operation and they need to be able to put in a windbreak, there's no other funding but the REAP funding for that kind of a practice. And the energy benefits, the benefits to protecting that whole asset from the weather and snow and the benefits of a windbreak are just so immense plus being able to have a place for the warblers to roost as they come through. I mean there's a lot of intangible benefits and the REAP funds are the only funds that we have that are that flexible that we can do that. So there are a number of those kinds of things that we can do with the REAP funds at the local level. Can you match I the know. REAP money with other funding to yes. do a bigger project then? Yeah, to some extent, although because the REAP dollars are something that we can use for specific things, a lot of other times we match sure. other things other ways. So it's not necessarily paired up in the same way. Statewide REAP dollars and through all of the programs, I've worked a lot with county conservation boards, I've worked with some city parks folks, and I know that those dollars, the REAP dollars, are important as match money, They're particularly for 
federal Absolutely. programs that's just essential. And a lot of these organizations, they don't have another place to turn. This is lifeblood for a lot of the organizations that depend on the REAP dollars. So I see it doing unique things. My latest work has taken me to the surrounding Midwestern states, and I am so proud of our REAP program for the kinds of projects that we can fund and do, and the flexibility built into that REAP formula way back when gives everybody a piece of the pie, and people are so creative in the way they work together. And I think about that vision to have started it, and I'm glad that they been able to keep it going because I think it does some unique things that I just don't see happening elsewhere. I don't see it happening in other states and they struggle to do some of the same things that we've got. Now you're very active in conservation. Have you ever participated on the REAP Congress or been on a REAP committee? I have not done that. I've done the REAP committee locally. We don't have a real active committee but every time it comes around for the REAP assembly a group of us kind of gets together and we decide we're going to go out for ice cream afterwards or okay. <laughs> something, something fun, so we'll go to the local regional meeting and speak up for conservation, so we do that. And I have helped nominate some folks, and I know folks who have attended the REAP Congress. So Yes, I've been to the REAP Congress. It's very impressive. Yeah, maybe some year I'll get there. As long as there are folks that will carry the water, I haven't participated. But It's the 25th anniversary of REAP. Do you have any comparison or thoughts about over the process over the last five or ten years? I look at the process waiting for the legislature to make a decision about the levels of funding. And for those programs that are percentage-based, it's just an agonizing wait. I love that. <laughs> because you don't know what you can plan for ahead. Whereas the REAP Conservation Education Program yeah, is 350000 off the top. Unfortunately, over 25 years, that has shrunk. You know, proportionately, 350,000 doesn't That's buy true. nearly what it used to. Um, we used to be true. able to fund a lot more projects and had a lot more vibrancy there. But again, I think the main thing is that this is lifeblood for a lot of projects that would not get off the ground. And I see them in our local communities as I drive around the state to various towns. I can see the REAP projects. They're there. If you know what to look for as far as the look for the logo, they've got them signed, they're out there. I know at our district level, soil water conservation district level, we've laughed about asking people to put their windbreak, you know, put a sign on their REAP sign on their windbreaks. We don't require that. So it's a little harder for somebody else to notice those things, but I know they're out there. I recognize them for what they are. It's been a good overview of all our REAP programs. And thank you for coming to talk to me. Do you have any other closing comments about REAP? Go REAP. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> I hope it can continue. I realize that over time programs kind of lose their luster and they aren't as shiny and new as when they came out of the box. But for being something that is a staple, I think it's a really valuable program. Thank you again, Jean. And if you want more information about REAP, you can go to the DNR website at www.iowadnr.gov and type in REAP in their search box and you can get additional information. And thank you again. Thank you.